0: hello everyone welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies now before you jump on to listening to this episode wait take a breath smile get your regular dose of life-changing entropy here on everyday talkies hello guys welcome to the new episode of everyday talkie and today we are starting a new series okay before that been to first introduce the guest and as usual when nobody exists and i have to start something new we have pushkar in the house hello
1: hello at this point i'm like your co-host i'm not a guest anymore i think oh yes yes
0: yes fine fine given that all the contracts you have made me sign, i have to call him officially the co-host let me first introduce what the series is all about and what we are going to be talking in this episode and the subsequent episodes so i found this amazing book called guns germs and steel from a podcast i was listening on youtube I was so fascinated by the book and the contents of it that I thought, you know, why not read it and discuss it with none other than Pushkar and go chapter by chapter and discuss this in detail because I know many people in the audience or many people in general don't tend to come across these books or don't like reading non-fiction books that often
1: yeah me included
0: Uh, you being one of the most avid readers that I have ever known you also prefer more fiction rather than non-fiction so I thought you know history is something which both of us like and which both of us uh, want to know more about and this book provides a lot of information so in order to make it more palatable and you know in a more simpler words we'll try to explain what this book talks about how what each chapter talks about so today's introductory episode where we will discuss our initial impressions from reading the preface and the prologue and then it will it will subsequently be followed by 20 episodes of 20 chapters each explaining the details and the contents of the book if you want to grab the book read along with us and follow us that would be great and this would also in some way be the starting of a book club that we promised in the History Teaches Us episode. So everything is combining. If you guys are equally interested about history or you have read this book or you're reading this book and have some insights of your own, do let me know. We'll be glad to have you as a guest and we can discuss this among all of us and have a nice time. So, swiftly moving on. Pushkar, now. When was the last time you read your first non-fiction book?
1: Not that long ago, actually. Just a couple of months ago. I think I told you about this. I read this book about uh, Indian soldiers in World War One, part of the British Army. It's a book by uh, George Martin Jack called uh, The Indian Empire at War. But yeah, uh, I don't really read non-fiction generally. When you talked about this book like, um, I don't know, what, seven hours ago? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was I think immediately interested by it because as you said like we both love history and uh, one of the most fascinating things about history is how civilizations interact with each other, how civilizations grow and why they are the way they are. I think after reading the prologue of this book I find a lot of uh, it very interesting like let's first start with like initial impressions what you thought of the prologue yeah
0: sure before that I'll just give a brief introduction about the book as well so the book's name is Guns Germs and Steel by Jared Diamond and uh, uh, as written in the cover it's a short history of everybody for the last 13000 years and I would like to quote one line from this book because that is something that he summarized the book in one line uh, to all the critics or all the journalists. So I just want to read that out. It says History followed different courses for different peoples because of differences among people's environment, not because of biological differences among peoples themselves. So I think that is the essence of the book where all of us in this world that we live in, we have this inherent differentiation amongst races and there have been numerous wars, there have lots of things that has been raised because of races and even in current scenario, unconsciously or consciously, we think you know one race is better than the other or something on those lines. So this book tries to demystify that, this book tries to find out that why Eurasia was the area where technology developed so fast, where literacy developed so fast, and they were the ones that migrated to different areas, to, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, to America, to Australia, and conquered these areas and bring technology and, you know, uplift them from their Stone Age type period, or Iron Age type period. So, this book dwells deep into that, but we'll come to that while we deal chapter by chapter, but uh, just reading the initial prologue and the preface, I really liked this because uh, if you talk about a brief history of earth right we are what earth formed around four and a half billion years ago now that's so many zeros even i can't even imagine right and humans came by now that's a b that's a billion with a b remember that billion is a huge and it's something which we humans don't seem to fathom because we had never seen a billion in real life so we don't know how to imagine it because it's intuitive to say two plus two is four but it's not intuitive to understand what two four and a half billion billion means so well yeah that's a long 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 time ago and human beings came around I think it said around four or five billion or million sorry four or five million years ago and that's a sliver in that time and most of our history or most of human development occurred in the last 13,000 years and that started with moving from stone age to developing metals bronze iron going into iron age industrialization renaissance period then uh, language developing farming and all of that until now and even to this day, there are some pockets around the world, I think uh, there's one in Andamar and Nicobar Islands, if I remember correctly, or maybe in Australia, where there are still groups of tribes which live in the hunter-gatherer mode, right?
1: I mean, the Andamar Nicobar one, as far as I know, it has been breached a couple of times. Like, mm-hmm. The Indian Navy still uh, kind of patrols the island because they want to protect it, but it has been breached. There are certain uh, tribes in the Amazon that still have, have not had any human contact for... However, hundreds of many years. Okay.
0: One more thing that I
1: need to clarify
0: here is that when we say humans, we assume that all of us are in the same species and that is actually true. It's nothing wrong there. Similarly, if you're talking about the cat family, they have different species. They look so different, but in humans, everything is common and we always assume that humans were the only single race or the only single species that was there from the start. And that's how we, you know, came about, but that's not exactly true. Uh, there were multiple species that, uh, multiple species of humans, the Homo erectus, Neanderthals, Homo sapiens, that existed at the same time, and due to crossbreeding and extension of one species over the other, we, as Homo sapiens, prevailed over them. And that history is quite interesting because that came about in four or five million years, right? It's not a small span of time, and we will be covering that in I think in the first episode itself. But it's quite interesting to understand how geography plays a role in our
1: development let's go about this methodically so today what we're talking about is just the prologue of the book the preface and the pro- the preface to the 20th edition that he gave and uh, the prolog uh, which is called yali's question
0: okay so basically what we discussed was just about the preface where he mentions that we need to start learning more about history and how things uh, developed from the start how humans developed in different pockets in different geographies and then let's swiftly move on to i think the prolog which is the meat of the matter pushkar so do you want to give us a background what, what is Yali's question? Why is it named as it is? And how does the author begin with this?
1: When I started reading the book, I had no idea what to expect. So reading the prologue, I found it interesting that he goes into this personal story regarding why he wrote this book. First of all, when he was on an assignment studying like the evolution of birds that are in papua Papua new uh, guinea which was first of all fun for me because i'm an avid bird watcher and uh, then you know he talks about this one politician in papua new guinea during their uh, freedom movement called yali yali and him having a discussion regarding the white people who uh, colonized australia and papua new guinea at the time was still part of australia you know they talk about the differences between these races So, there is this one question that the politician asks the author which the author kind of then jumps off of into uh, creating the more or less the question that drives the whole book. So, Yadi asks why is it that you white people developed so much cargo and brought it to New Guinea but we black people had little cargo of our own. So, here cargo means any um, kind of technology or any kind of product that is uh, derived from modern industrialization. So you have like soft drinks and tools, metallic tools, basically this question kind of then lets the author spawn into uh, this larger idea of why civilizations across the world uh, developed at different rates. You know, so like, why is it that uh, a lot of the Eurasian civilizations developed into the metal age and industrialization and all this technology while at the same time, let's say the, the Australian aboriginals were still uh, stuck in the uh, stone age and they, they were still uh, hunter gatherers focusing on primitive farming, so yeah that is like the kind of start of the whole question but then it uh, also spawns into different factors like he goes into why this book is a different exploration of the history of humanity
0: Uh, here he uh, tries to make sure that he covers these small pockets of the world like africa australia even i think eastern asia america and ultimately their interaction with the Eurasian countries and how civilizations developed across everywhere.
1: He's basically trying to justify more or less that why this book isn't uh, overtly a racist account of um, history as we know it and uh, this book is not trying to basically uh, biologically or uh, biogeographically distinguish people by race, basically rationalizing why history turned out the way it did. And what I found interesting is uh, when, when he talked about the fact that it is a sad reality that when we look at history that certain civilizations have dominated others, certain civilizations have decimated others. He says that it's considered not polite to talk about these things because it can seem offensive because it can seem like if you're uh, saying that something happened historically that this race, you know, uh, wiped out this other or this race colonized this place and brought this place out of the Stone Age and into the Metal Age or whatever, it it seems offensive because basically saying that the, the other race is justified in dominating the others because of the fact that they were able to do so. So, you know more or less proving that one race is better than the other. And he says that that is not necessarily true.
0: And it stems from the fact that we always tend to differentiate race versus genetics, right? Okay, so as uh, Pushkar mentioned that, Yali's question is that why did Europeans have more cargo than New Guinea? And by cargo, I think he has already mentioned that. So there are different reasons that he gives. The basic factor where all of us and the differences come is as we talked about genetics. We seem that one race is superior to the other in terms of Jews and their right to usurp them or rule them and things like that and that also stems from the fact that the superior race is more intelligent now the author Jared Diamond makes a nice point where uh, he's trying to compare the intelligence between uh, Europeans and people in New Guinea and now, why are these two distinct group of people, it is very clear to mention. It is, like, it is important to mention that it's in New Guinea, it's still less than a developed nation. Or it's not even developing, you would say, right?
1: No, and I think more than that, I think uh, why he picked those particular uh, races is because he's uh, personally spent a lot of time in, uh, in New Guinea with their, you know, like primitive societies, as he called them. He spent a lot of time among them, uh, living with them. He makes a lot of sense when he talks about basically the intelligence factor that comes in regarding these races. He says that it's not necessary that just because a civilization of people has industrialized that they are better than uh, some other people.
0: It's a very simple example, I think, which he gave. The industrialized societies, they were good at, let's say, building machines and sitting in homes, doing probably some other thing. Because that is what they were doing since they were a child, right? And probably they were better at those things than the people in uh, New Guinea. Uh, People in New Guinea who were, you know, building shelter trying to live their lives, trying to avoid harshness of the environment and try to navigate the jungle. They were better at those things because that is what they were doing from their childhood. How do you compare intelligence when there are two different things, right? There is no... When we say, you know, let's compare their IQs, Is there any standard method to measure an IQ which will compare apples to apples? Because obviously, like your experience is different than mine. So how do we get a level playing field where we can both judge our intelligence and compare that to each other?
1: He says that it is practically impossible to do so and that's why he kind of deviates from the question of why a certain society reached a level and why a certain society did not reach a level because they are measured on a metric that may not be fair to like the other society. It kind of skips the whole thing altogether and moves on to the question of why civilizations have evolved at a different rate in different parts of the world. And so I think uh, what he's trying to get at is he's not assuming that civilization or rise of civilization means uh, you know, a particular uh, ideology or a particular lifestyle. He's merely trying to find out the reasons why a civilization or why a certain group of people evolved at the rate they did or uh, you know developed at the rate they did and you know while
0: you're talking this this a nice like section uh, uh, reminded me on this intelligence portion where he justifies why he believes that people in New Guinea have uh, more than average intelligence than europeans or eurasians i should say where he mentions that in an industrialized society as eurasia people died of three causes right either wars second one was diseases yeah or uh, accident uh, you know floods and things like the natural calamity so eurasia being an interest, uh, industrialized society as it is and because they lived in such close proximity the diseases spread like wildfire and i think smallpox is the biggest exa- example
1: of which and spanish flu anything like you can take smallpox spanish pla- uh, plague the the Black Plague, which killed like half the population of Europe. Yes, so all of that originated from Europe, right?
0: And because they live in such close proximity, they are more prone to these deadly diseases. We blame Africa for most of these, but it, it's actually uh, Europe, which, in a historical sense, has you know produced more of these epidemics or diseases than they ever could.
1: Uh, I was reading about biological warfare. So the history of biological warfare does not actually start with chemical agents like Agent Orange and this and that and whatever they used in World War. Uh, biological warfare, its origins can be traced back all the way to uh, the European expansion into South America. What basically happened was, it wasn't intentional, but when the Spanish and the Portuguese came to South America, they brought with them, because they were from these densely populated city areas and all this, they brought with them basically diseases that more or less wiped out uh, entire tribes of people or entire cities or entire like um, societies in South America, you know.
0: Yeah, and you know that links to the point that why did it wipe out tribes in South America? Because the people who came in, they were immune to these diseases now, right? Because the diseases originated from the area.
1: Because the people in South America had not you know, been exposed to this kind of simple diseases, they had no immunity to it. And so they basically more or less died out because of it. And I think this is going to constitute a bit part of his whole uh, thesis in this book, since one of the three words in the title is germs.
0: Yeah. And concluding the thought there, right. So people in Eurasia died more of germs rather than warfare or accidents because that was not so much common uh, during that time. And that is why when the future generations evolved, they were more prone to these diseases. But whereas in New Guinea, there were hardly any such deadly diseases, but the deaths were more prone due to warfare, due to tribal warfare, accidents, floods, given that it's a coastal area and all of that. So people who survived, they passed on their genes and they reproduced, right. This is where he gives his reasoning that people who were more intelligent, who had more survival instincts, came to inhabit New Guinea right now, as we know it,
1: than Eurasia. Like, as we go into by each chapter by chapter, I think we'll find out the reasons why Eurasia developed the way it did and why certain societies uh, did not. What another thought I had reading the prologue was, I'm kind of a man of faith, right? Like, I am on this whole high of, like, I've talked about it or talked about it in the History Teachers' episode of, like, uh, nature correcting it and this and that. Some of the language in the prologue I was like a little worried what he mentioned regarding what are the biogeographical differences between a certain sect of people, you know. I mean, I hope the answers are not completely disappointing in a way. I hope that there is still some mystery left to why the world is the way it is because as long as there is a certain sense of mystery there is a certain hope right that the world will correct itself because there is faith in the natural mechanics of the world i don't know if i'm like making sense of this no no i get your
0: point and i and i hundred percent hope that there is always mystery left right because it's impossible to understand how we evolved to the date right because one simple reasoning which every historian according to them as he mentions the book they say that why did one location develop more parts than the other was because of technological advances because they developed faster than the others but he tries to drill down even more that why did that place only do it why didn't it evolve in Africa first or America first or for that matter in New Guinea first so I think if you drill down at certain level there's always bound to be mystery even though and this book is 20 years old this book was released in 1997 that was the year that I was born
1: so, <laughs> we are reading the revised edition which came out in 2017. So, I hope there are like updates in it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he essentially says the same thing. He, uh, he says, and I quote, why were Europeans rather than Africans or Native Americans the ones to end up with guns, the nastiest Jones and steel? And he also says, like, I mean, I sent you this paragraph basically mm-hmm. making a Wakanda joke, but he says that if a long head start counts for anything, why did guns and steel arise first in Africa? permitting Africans and their germs to conquer Europe.
0: Exactly, because Africans was the, were the origins of human life. The first encounters, the first foundations of Neanderthals and human species were found in Africa. Yeah, moving on. So, uh, in, you know, we discussed intelligence and we discussed this and we'll quickly uh, skim through the other topics because I'm sure he will be dwelling deep in these other chapters. So the second one was geography. Now, obviously we know that, let's say, our Americas separated by waters, our Australia is separated by water, but Eurasia is this big chunk of land which you know, it's tied down together. But again, why did a small chunk from there, Eurasia, the you know, the Western Europe mostly proliferated. And one reason was that that since they lived in colder environments, they wanted to survive. And because they wanted to survive, uh, they found out ways, they found out uh, ways to build shelter. And because they stayed homes, you know, inside home, and had nothing to do because it was so cold outside, they developed these new tools. More inventions were made. Apparently, this is
1: all... That's as stupid as a theory gets.
0: Yeah, but, well, people uh, throw on theories like anything, and he discredits that by saying that most of the discoveries happened in the tropical areas, and even in Europe, as he speaks, the northernmost Europe, where the climates are so... Polarized. They were getting these benefits from the more tropical areas of Europe. And, uh, even the first literary uh, information or first writings or languages were uh, also found in Mexico. Again, so he gives us a, he discredits that theory as well. Um, yeah, I think that was the brief input that we wanted to give. I know this it, this would be very haphazard. I don't know if we made any sense and if we could convey any idea.
1: Uh, once we go chapter by chapter, you know, once we have something uh, specific to discuss, because this was uh, very general. You know, it was more or less the author's justification for why this book is different from all the other history books that you might come across.
0: So yeah, I think we'll basically be covering chapter by chapter and going deep into all of this and we'll try to make notes so that we become more coherent and follow a follow up path. But yeah, this episode was just trying to make sure that you know you get interested, you follow us along this journey. If you want to join this episode, do drop us a note and we'll be happy to host you in. To close this episode of uh, let's do this thing, trivia moment, okay? This is the trivia section of the podcast.
1: Oh my God, there's a trivia section time.
0: So I'm not asking you any questions, but this is...
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, this is not conbaday Karodati or who wants to be a millionaire.
1: Yeah, as if as if you have the millions to give me.
0: <laughs> so in this context of where you know we're reading history and all of this, do you have some trivia which you think will be very much exciting for people to know and which not, not
1: many people would know about? Uh, one thing I found interesting was uh this whole talk of, you know, um civilizations interacting and one civilization dominating the other and this is superior to that and this and that. I think like two of the most glaring exceptions to history that every person can agree with is that even though this whole eurasian thing started and history has been rewritten to basically glorify uh, the white man and this and that uh, even a cursory reading of history shows that there are two civilizations that were more or less the exception to every rule of history either even if it's true or even if it's like made up by uh, eurasians firstly it was the mongolians because Mongols were one of the most brutal civilizations. You know, John Green has this history course on YouTube and if you watch that history course, uh, whenever he talks about uh, world history, he says that anything that happened in history, the Mongols were always an exception to it. That's a more very generalized thing you can read up specifically about that. Specific trivia if you want, the second civilization that was never Conquered or occupied is Japan. Didn't U.S. conquer Japan for in World War II or something? They did. So until like 1946 or something, when America occupied Japan for like for like transitioning Japan from a monarchy to a, like a democratic nation, that was the only time in Japan's history that it was uh, occupied by a different like occupied by an outside force. So because japan is an island and japan uh, is in such a precarious place that it is constantly uh you know plagued by earthquakes tsunamis typhoons this and that while those things affect japan as well they have kind of more or less kept outsiders from coming into japan because uh, during the european expansion as much as people wanted to if any civilization wanted to conquer japan they would have to have a significant force land basically enter the uh, island of japan to go there. But because of this constant uh, environmental more or less shell around it, there was no way that uh, a a significant force uh, could uh, go into Japan. And even if they tried to, they had to go up against Samurais, bro. Like Samurais. (laughs) That's where it more or less ends. So, you know, China, uh, Korea, any country, like um, all of Europe, you know, all these East India Company, Dutch East India Company, all these people, they all tried at one point or the other to uh, more or less create a presence in Japan. But they all failed because I think because of just the environmental situation that they were in the Japanese civilization more or less grew up to be an isolated civilization. So that's that's interesting. You know? That's one way to look at this whole thing.
0: No, oh, that's interesting. Okay, one thing one small factoid from my head is, do you know how ice age occurred?
1: Oh, that's it's- it's because of that small Ching Chirkut rat, no. What okay, no, come name?
0: on. This is not again. I knew you were going to pull <laughs> that movie off. Okay, shut up. Okay, if you do not watch the Ice Age series,
1: <laughs> uh, no, it's it's it's, it's factual. It's factual. There was a Chirkot rat uh, who wanted a nut, and <laughs> that is what more or less started the whole Ice Age.
0: Okay, shut up. Now I know you're a big fan of nature curating itself, right? So I know you love it. At one point, Earth was filled with so many trees. And we know trees are good for water. They're good for taking in carbon dioxide and releasing oxygen. And that is how we purify the Earth's atmosphere. So at one point, the Earth had so much green land that it took too much carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Okay. And the greenhouse effect stopped because atmosphere needs to have enough carbon dioxide to trap heat, right? Right. When trees continuously took in carbon dioxide, the level of the atmosphere dropped and that is where Ice Age started.
1: Damn! Oh, so it was like a reverse global warming
0: thing. Exactly! So do you remember in what large scale the Earth is evolving and we are now going in the polar opposite. We're trying to destroy it and going in the, going in the global warming direction. Nature as a whole does not give two shits about us. <laughs> and we are just small pecks of dust in the vast macrocosm of this universe so we should take care of it at the best of our abilities and try to enjoy whatever small span of lifetime we are on earth and you know there is a good graph which I'll post as the episode logo where it shows how much percentage of human life is taken by the entire life cycle of earth and that just is even less than 1% you You'll be shocked Wow. so if you guys enjoyed this episode um I don't know, there's no like button, comment button. I don't know why did I go into YouTube (laughs) mode? But follow us, join our Discord, uh, support us and buy me a coffee slash everyday talkies. And uh, do read Guns, Germs and Steel. Like shout out to that author. I don't know whether he'll ever listen to us. And uh, one big disclaimer, we are not historians. We are not experts on this subject. So please do your own research. Yeah, I think that's it for the episode. I will catch you in the next one whenever this releases. Thank you and we'll catch up in the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode. Till then, live long and prosper.